0: Are UFOs real? Not in the way you think. To be or not to be, that is the question. Shakespeare's famous lines remain astonishing and relevant to the wandering philosophy of our minds today. We, at some point in our lives, ask ourselves, what is the truth beyond what we see? Shakespeare, in this case, Hamlet, prompts the question. What is truth? What is real? How do you define reality? Is it something altogether outside of yourself, or is it merely perspective? So many questions bombard our mind when we begin to consider and attempt to solve life's purpose and beyond. It is interesting to note that Hamlet tells a story of the ages, one that has been told many times, and was so relevant to religious and mythological histories, and in fact, the movements of the earth itself, that it lent its name to an investigative essay discovering the truth behind the tales the origins of human knowledge and its transmission through myth. Hamlet's Mill, written by MIT professor of the history of science, Giorgio De Santillana, expresses so much connection and purpose that it once again sparks the question, why? Black holes and revelations. Do you ever get a good look, a real good look at what's in front of you, and feel slightly off, slightly disconnected, and wonder, Am I dreaming? Sometimes the reality we live in doesn't quite feel, well, real. There is a sense of displacement that can happen when it feels like we might be about to wake up, or that we are on the outside looking in. Like looking at a picture and observing all the details, or being dropped into a scene of a film, but the main actors never turned up, and everyone else has already assumed their positions, filling their roles and creating the scene that suspends disbelief it's a kind of figment of reality, while at the same time, it is the reality in that moment for those involved. That part they're playing, even if it's just for a fleeting moment of their lives, is both apart and separate from themselves. They're in two places at once, both in and outside of time. This is kind of where we're going with the concept of black holes. It's similar to what has been discussed about the idea of dimensional layers, The idea has been discussed by many scientists that there are higher dimensions that are taking place right in the same space as where I am recording this and where you're listening to it. We just can't see them because they respond to different rules and have a different geometrical structuring. Dr. Andrew Gallimore describes this very well during a presentation he gave, in a very digestible manner, I might add. He describes it by the way 2D and 3D might interact and observe, or not observe, each other. Imagine a square. It's a two-dimensional object, flat. It doesn't see anything beyond its single plane of existence. Everything in its concept of reality is on the same level, so to speak. Its friend, the cube, however, is three-dimensional. It can see beyond the edges of its square-shaped face to its sides. It even sees that its friend, the square, is a part of a cube just like itself. But the square doesn't see. In fact, he might even laugh at the idea that Mr. Cube tried to tell him. Because his friend, Mr. Cube, just looks like a regular square to him, he doesn't even know what Mr. Cube is rambling on about, and quite frankly, thinks that he might have lost his mind. It's hard to imagine a world beyond what we understand. Sometimes because we can't see it or measure it in the ways that we understand and have available to us. Sometimes because it is just so far beyond our comprehension that it makes our brain feel like melting. That doesn't mean that it isn't some version of reality and perhaps we should try to understand what the cube has to say, either by trying to get on its level, or, if that isn't possible, maybe just trying to take the time to comprehend what it has to say when it appears as a square. Because it might look like one, and in some sense, it is, but it's also something else. Black hole research has begun to make this kind of thing more visual for us in our own realm of existence, potentially breaking down something that perhaps shouldn't be comprehensible. Black holes are doing so by bending or breaking the rules in a way that is measurable to us. A black hole is measured by its surface area and not its volume. It has a two-dimensional conception. How bizarre, right? Light-producing black holes. A theory known as the black hole principle is making waves, and its predictions are being validated by new discoveries. It expresses the idea that light has not always traveled at the same speed. And that the speed of light is not the speed limit of the universe, just of our own conception of reality. The theory puts forward the idea that light travels in a spiral at infinity from black holes and exits the black hole into this dimension at the speed of light. It is a factor of our own dimensional reality. Is it not interesting to note that we find spirals within the creation of many things, often relating very close to phi? In fact, It is also interesting that at the center of galaxies, even our own, there is a black hole, and that the galaxy appears almost flat, spiraling out from the center. This is expressing that, in some way, the generation of the three-dimensional space is connected with black holes, and that they are not destructive as we would be led to believe. Could this be possible? Like I said, it is interesting to see how often in the creation of things we find spirals. Could this explain religious symbols such as those found at Newgrange, belonging to one of Earth's oldest archaeologically discovered cultural groups? It is a very intriguing concept and a fantastic read. I would recommend this, and if you want to research further, read Dr. Mengia's Samantha Lawton's book, Punk Science. Last tip. Remember, time may not be a constant, but a variable of gravity. As gravity alters, time is experienced in relation to its alteration. It is then interesting to note Einstein's idea that black holes are points of infinite gravity, where space and time themselves are curving. Extraterrestrials and their Interdimensional Origins In 1962, Project Blue Book had been running 10 years. There had been thousands of reported sightings. There would be 12,618 Blue Book cases for data from the USA alone by 1968. After combining the data with his own, that he had brought from France, computer scientist and statistician Jacques Vallée had concluded. These files did support the notion that UFOs were physical objects with all the characteristics of an advanced technology, but they also posed some intriguing challenges of a different kind. Witnesses described an alteration of consciousness in the presence of the phenomenon and even some unexplained psychological effects. The Invisible College, Jacques Vallée. Remember Mr. and his friend, the square? Well, this is a good working example of this concept. The alien, or UFOs, or UAPs, that we witness could be a kind of vehicle for a higher dimensional entity to establish contact or conception within another dimensional space. It exists in both, but has a vehicle for conjuring an existence that can be perceived inside of the geometrical confines of this dimension, something like a video game avatar. This could explain why we experience it visually, but it appears to either break, in the case of its breakneck turns at impossible Gs, or bend how time is often perceived or experienced by those encountering them, reality. This idea could also explain the types of entities experienced when consuming certain types of drugs. Check out my article on DMT. Information Download An engineer, then a student, got separated from four others he was walking through the countryside with on an archaeological field trip. He describes coming across a disc-shaped vehicle about 20 feet wide with a translucent elevator that lifted him to the cabin. To him, he describes, it felt conscious, and yet there was no other living, as we would describe it, creature present. The vehicle then transported him to a desolate area far away, where there was a large machine reminiscent of a computer about 5 feet high and 20 feet long, with row after row of recordings. His conclusion to their purpose was that they were downloading contents to his brain. In his mind, the experience lasted approximately three hours. After flying back to the site he was taken from, he was found shortly after within feet of the spot he had last been seen. The same flower, still fresh, was at his buttonhole. His clothes were impeccable. He did not need a shave. It turns out, however, he had been missing for eighteen days since his disappearance. His father, a government official had sent out a search party. He described several changes that had happened following the event, how it had become easy to retain information during his studies, having never to return to or revise them. The engineer also describes something often reported in these kinds of encounter experiences, having some deep knowing of where he needed to go. In this case, the United States of America, specifically California. He also reports never being sick since the encounter, and now being able to leave his body, along with requiring much less sleep. Check out the full case in another amazing read, The Invisible College by Jacques Vallée. Your reality, just a perspective. For comparison, it is common in cases of both DMT encounters and of spiritual ones that the witness may recall some kind of information either bestowed upon them or shown to them, Think of all the cases of divinely inspired text written through the hand of humans, but from the mind of something higher. An example of a DMT case would be Graham Hancock's account of his own experience while researching into the subject of psychedelics and their relation to the other worlds, if that's a good way to put it. Hancock describes being shown inside some kind of machine, filled with what he describes as circuitry, and little machine elves. He also felt that the purpose of this seemingly organized and repeating display was to download information to him. These anecdotes may begin to explain why there are witnesses who remember their encounters as dreams that seem so, so incredibly real. They are real, but a different perspective of real. That is, that they did not occur in this reality space. When a witness experiences a being entering their room at night, or being abducted from their bed, everyone else remains in a deep sleep, and they can dematerialize through walls as they are pulled up into the tractor beams. Maybe it is not really occurring physically, but is some construct of the mind. The secret vault of messages. Maybe these stories are descriptions of the fabled Akashic records, and they are simply gaining access to a kind of cloud outside of time, a storage database that houses all information. It is interesting to note that Graham describes how it seemed like a recording that he had found himself in, just as the engineer reports rows and rows of recordings. We could even be tapping into our own DNA storage system, Check out my article, Are There Messages in Our DNA? There are so many examples of these kinds of occurrences. Religious intervention, meditation, and spiritual experiences all usually describe information downloads. Sometimes it just occurs in a different way. For example, it may be heard or channeled rather than visualized. There are too many fascinating cases to cover here, but I hope that you'll begin to explore down this rabbit hole and create links for yourself if there are any. Living Structures The reason I chose the explanation I did in regards to the idea of higher-dimensional spaces through the cube and the square was to posit the question of whether they were one and the same. To consider that the square in question itself be a part of the cube that tells it about its invisible sides, that just so happened to be a part of itself, an interconnectedness that at some level becomes a single entity of existence. I speculate the idea of microcosms such as ourselves that are part of macrocosms that themselves are microcosms of a larger macrocosm, and may continue to a highest level, compounding into less and less groups. The number of layers may be numbered, or they may be into infinity. No one really knows. An interesting idea was once described to me. Our perception is more of a convention to navigate the world in itself. That is to say, the way the universe is outside of human perception, which may not be spatio-temporal in a meaningful way, as it is for us perceptually. I think we have decent enough evidence for this because of our hidden or non-material planes that we interact with all the time, such as the economy, or culture, or political structures. None of these things are material or spatial, but still have effects that are very much material. So I think that separating material and conceptual into a dichotomy like real and imaginary is disingenuous. Because if an economy is so imaginary, then how could it manifest all the strength of its material input and output? I don't think it could. So in my philosophy, I say, all production is production of the real. I propose that there are various non-material realms where we construct our conceptual machines, where they plug into us and through us our spatial environment. But I think when we create social machines so complicated such as cultures, I think they tend to take on a life of their own. I see this because history looks at groups and movements as singular entities. Modern day treats companies and political parties as entities, and I think there's something to that, because it seems that once a social machine is created by people, it then turns around and starts creating people in return. A feedback loop. People make the culture and the culture makes the people. So I really do think that when people get together and make something collectively, I do think what they make actually turns out to be real and maybe even a kind of living entity. So I think things like Olympian gods, for example, have a more living component to them than a regular thinker would grant. Same with the American economy and the specter of Marx. They are all spirits living among us, who possess some of us at various times, as a mouthpiece, and yet they are spirits we brought into existence by putting our brains together around one thing. End idea. Conclusion for now. It seems so far, given the study of black holes and the paradoxical challenges of UFO encounters, that reality is far more complex than it first appears. It meshes and blends things that we might consider separate. Is it possible to explain this? I don't know. Maybe just not in a way that is comprehensible in our mental vocabulary. But, perhaps this can spark the discussion that might make the picture a little clearer. Are UFOs real? Well, I guess that depends on how you define reality.